to Everything a Season, Lutheran Reflections Through the Church Year, a weekly devotional series based on readings relevant to the current liturgical season. You can watch this series live on our YouTube page every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks for tuning in, and now on to this week's discussion. Welcome. We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hello, everyone, and welcome to To Everything a Season, Lutheran Reflections Through the Church Year. My name is William Green, and as always, I'm joined by Pastor Brian King. We are here for our last installment of the Sharing the Faith series. I know it's been a bit of a long series, longer than we, I think, originally uh, anticipated it would be. Yes. But uh, we thank you for sticking around. And uh, it's going to be a continuation, largely what we were talking about last week. And so if you haven't already, we invite you to listen to last week's episode because we're kind of going to pick up the conversation from there. But uh, before we begin, um, I just wanted to remind everyone, as I said last week, uh, this week's episode is pre-recorded. Uh, this will be the last of the pre-recorded episodes. And Lord willing, we will be back live uh, next Wednesday, 7 p.m., YouTube and Facebook, uh, just as we typically are. That's the hope and the, the goal. God willing, right? Yes. Yep, exactly. God willing. So uh, last week we had been going through this list of verses and kind of giving people uh, a practical way of talking about their faith to other people. And so we want to pick up doing that again uh, tonight. Um, we had left off talking about Romans 5.8, and we were just getting into the distinction between objective and subjective justification and how that factors into sharing the faith. Right. So plainly put, objective means it's kind of outside of us. Mm -hmm. Subjective means it's having to do with us personally. Mm -hmm. So the objective justification, big phrase, means that Christ died to forgive the sins of the world. When we come to faith in that, when we trust in that, that's subjective justification. Right. And that's when those benefits are applied to us personally. Very important for sharing the faith to make sure the emphasis is put on Christ and the gifts that he won for all. Yes. Yeah, this is huge. Now, obviously, when you're sharing the faith with someone else, you don't need to use the words objective and subjective justification. Yeah. In fact, you probably shouldn't. Yeah, you shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> it's technical. But, uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about how this actually plays a huge role in the way that we share our faith with other people, because we mentioned that um, there are some Christian denominations that don't believe that Christ died for everyone on earth, right? That Christ right. only died for the elect or for the people who are Christians, right? Yeah. And, and so the argument goes that uh, if Christ had died for everyone, then everyone would be saved. And therefore, because everyone isn't saved, Christ only died for the elect. That's how those Christians usually frame that sort of argument. Right. right. And, and, and you know, I, you sort of understand it. The end result is that the elect are saved. That's the end result. But here's the important thing when you're sharing your faith. I can say to everyone and anyone I meet, Christ died to forgive you your sins. Right. Exactly. And that he did, in fact, forgive your sins. Yeah. That's huge. That is huge. And it really makes a difference in how you share the gospel with people because uh, this is good news for everyone, right? 
Uh, for some Christians, I would say the gospel is not good news for everyone. everyone. Right. Yep. It's good news for the elect and for the people who are Christians, but uh, the people in those denominations can't say that definitively that Christ died for your sins because you might not be part of the elect. Right. Yeah. Can I just, so, one, one little just thing that just entered my head. I, we were, as a family, five of us, and one of our sons, youngest son, had a friend over. And uh, I don't know, we hadn't prepared dinner yet. So I said, well, let's go down to the Chinese buffet place. And this friend started to leave. I said, where are you going? She said, well, you guys are going to dinner. I said, well, you're invited. Okay. He, you know, you could say, well, he didn't feel like he was part of the family, didn't feel like he was invited. But the Chinese buffet did enough food, did have enough food for him too. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, you're invited. And, and maybe that's the kind of the idea of it, that sometimes we think, oh, it's just for the family or the, you know, the family of the faithful or something. But no, mm. it's for everybody. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so we're not implying any sort of universalism by saying that. No. Uh, but but it is something to keep in mind, of course, when you're sharing the gospel. Yeah, this and by universalism, by universalism, that term is, is, is used to say that everyone's going to be saved no matter whether they believe or curse God or whatever. Right. We don't believe in that. We believe right. that having faith is a condition of salvation. But you have faith by a gift that God gives you as a gift. And you have faith, and that's what it's, well Luther said. It's the hand that grasps the gift. Mm. Okay, that's good. Okay, okay. Should we uh, enough? Uh, you know, we we qualify this and that and everything. Pretty soon we're gonna have to say something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. It uh, you know it, you know uh, people t- talk against something, against something, against something, but eventually eventually you have to be for something. Yeah, yeah so, that's right. So let's talk about what we're for. And, and this this verse says it great. For Christ also suffered once for sins, First Peter three, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. He suffered. The righteous one, perfect Christ, for the unrighteous, for us. For the purpose, there's a purpose here, that he could bring us to God, okay? Right. He, he dies, his he, his heart stops, he stops breathing, he dies, but of course he's made alive in the Spirit, and then we see the results of that in on Easter Sunday morning. That's right. Yeah, good news, good news. Okay, any more on that one? Should we jump to Ephesians 2? Uh, let's jump to Ephesians, that sounds good. Okay, so Ephesians 2, this is a really kind of a favorite verse amongst Lutherans. Um, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now this answers a couple questions, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, there's a lot here. Of course, uh, there's this idea of faith being a gift, but it also kind of situates the role of works in the life of a Christian, right? Yeah, and why why does God want Christian people to do good works? Uh, because good works are good? Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a nice little tautology there. Yeah, it's a good thing to do good things. Um, yeah, because, because, and here's the important thing. Without the good works of the Christian people sharing the faith, others wouldn't get to know about Jesus. Mm. So one of the best things we can do is tell others about this wonderful salvation. But bear in mind, our good works don't save us. We do good works because we're saved. Right. That's the, it's a thank offering. It's our new life. It's our regenerate self. Right. That's the important thing to keep in mind. Because 
uh, we touched a bit on this last week. That's probably one of the biggest misconceptions people might have when hearing about Christianity for the first time is that Christianity is a works-based religion and that your works are what saves you. You have to do these good things in order to be saved. Uh, But that's not the Lutheran way of looking at this. No, it's not the biblical way of looking at it. It, We do good things because we're saved. We're regenerate. We've been taken into God's family. Being, you know, you become part of a family by birth or by adoption or whatever. And when you're part of that family, there are certain things you do. You put your dishes away or whatever. Putting your dishes away doesn't make you a part of that family. Mm -hmm. But because you're part of that family, well, then you put your dishes away. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. And so let's also talk about uh, verse 8 here uh, about uh, being saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, but the gift of God. So this is referring to the faith, right? Yeah. The faith is a gift from God. Now, this is something that a a lot of people might not understand as well when you're first uh, presenting this to them. Because... I think uh, intuitively people do see faith as a sort of work, something that we do to merit salvation. I know we, we talked again a bit about this last week that there's this, I think, idea in evangelicalism that faith is this good work that you are responsible for doing, right? So you're, you're responsible for doing these things that will increase your faith. And um, through having more faith, uh, you become closer to God, and and that's kind of how the Christian life plays out. Faith is something that you have to do to kind of cooperate with God's gift of salvation. Yeah, to to complete it almost, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's well, good there God, God made all this wonderful thing, and all I have to do is somehow apprehend it or receive it. And and oddly enough, at some level, that is true. Mm-hmm. You do have to receive the gift, but we don't have the the, the spiritual power to, well, C.S. Lewis put it, it's rather arrogant of people to think that they can choose God. Mm. Like that that's probably the epitome of arrogance, isn't it? Right. To think that we choose God. No, Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit. Right. We're chosen, we're saved with a purpose for our lives of, of sharing his love and, and mercy with those around us. Right. Kind of going back and speaking in terms of objective and subjective justification, I, I think people commonly see, okay, um, they have an easy time grasping objective uh, uh, justification. Christ died for everyone, but then there's something that we have to do to have the subjective justification applied to us, yeah. and that's faith. And I, I think like that's kind of the commonplace or intuitive understanding because um it like it answers that question that we've talked about before on the podcast, like why some and not others, yeah. right? Yeah. It it puts the ball in our court, um, so that it makes God seem like more fair, in a sense. Yeah, that we complete it, so somehow we're different. Somehow we get saved. It's us, us, us. Yeah. And whenever we look at us, we see a sinful human being. Right. So the whole point that we're dri- and why we drive these things home about monergism, God working, all that. So that we understand when we share our faith, we have to point to Christ, mm-hmm. not the person. Right. Okay. Exactly. Okay, here's another one, Romans 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And is saved. This is the, what happens when the Holy Spirit works faith in your heart. Oh, I believe in Jesus. Okay. 
I believe in him. I trust in him. I, I speak those words. And this is all showing and demonstrating that you have faith. Mm-hmm. And that's good. You, faith isn't some blind trust. Okay. Right. It's, it's, it's intellectual. It's spiritual. It's, it's a renewed spirit. Mm. And that's going to demonstrate itself in your words and in your actions. Mm. Spiritual life. That's a good okay. way of putting it. Yeah. Okay. Now, those of you who have attended St. Luke for years know that, that this verse is, well, one of my favorites. I, anytime I can preach it, speak it, whatever. And this one, maybe you should memorize. <laughs> it's short and, enough. It's short enough. You can do it. John one twenty nine. The next day he, now that's John the baptizer, he there. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That is just 100% pure gospel. You can say this to anyone. And how to rephrase this, as we talked about last week, how do you rephrase this in such a way? You can say to someone, you know, Jesus took your sin away. Mm. Right? Yeah. Jesus yeah. Lift, lifted that burden from you. Yeah. And just kind of that rephrasing just kind of reframes it and helps us internalize it in a new way. There's, there's a lot of different ways to talk about Christ's sacrifice and what that means for us, obviously. But the taking away of our sins is a, kind of a different word picture that um, adds a new dimension to Christ's sacrifice for us. Right? He, we can talk paid, about atonement, but taking away is like kind of a more common, you yeah. know, easy to understand way of looking at it. Yeah, you've got a, you had a burden on your back. Jesus has lifted that burden off of you. Yeah. Uh, he's gone to court for you and paid your fine. Yeah. He went to the bank and paid your debt. Like, you know, you were in debt. You were, the, the, the bill collectors were coming and somebody went and paid your debt. You could think of it as just the best news you could ever hear spiritually that Jesus has taken away the sin, okay? And that sin that we talked about last week, that's what separates us from God. Right. He's taken that away. So now we are no longer separated from God. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Now, there's some other concepts here where that uh, the next verse brings up John fourteen six. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this is a criticism that, that is leveled at Christians. Oh, you think that your Jesus is the only way? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> what what more do you say so is is christianity an exclusive religion it is yeah it's sense. jesus only right so and we can say then it's the most exclusive religion in the world that there's a, there's one mediator mediator between god and men the man christ jesus but it's also the most inclusive religion in the world because as john the baptist put it Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Right. Right. And this point is really important, kind of going all the way back to the first installment of this series when we were talking about worldviews. We were, we were talking about religious pluralism and the idea that um, a lot of people see all religions as being essentially communicating the same truth, right? As being valid or, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you hear the analogy of like, um, like blind men and the elephant. Are you familiar with this one? Like, like you have a bunch of people who are either blindfolded or blind, and they're all 
feeling different parts of the elephant. And so the, the people who are feeling the leg are like, oh, this is a tree. Uh, the people who are feeling the trunk are like, oh, this is a snake. And um, depending on what part of the elephant they're experiencing, uh, the experience is different, but it's all the same elephant. And, and people use this analogy to talk about religion. So like, uh, you know, uh, Muslims have this one conception of the true God. Christians have this one conception of the true God. They're both referring to the true God, whatever that is. Uh, but they're experiencing him in different ways. And that's affected by like culture and like uh, just their historical context, stuff like this. There's this kind of subjectivizing of religion that um, wants to make religion less exclusive in these ways and try to say that ultimately everyone's going to the same place regardless of what religion you're a part of. They're just kind of experiencing the same religion in different ways. And that's and, what the, the saying of as long as you're sincere, it doesn't matter what you believe. Exactly. That, that kind of yeah. idea. Yeah. Okay. This idea that all religions will eventually lead to, to heaven, right? They're just kind of different takes on the same sort of truth. This is unfortunately something that's really prevalent. And so when you make exclusive claims like this, I think you'll often encounter a lot of pushback and say, well, um, that's that's like intolerant or that's hateful toward people of other religions. Um, society just isn't a fan of these sorts of exclusive claims to truth no. and like that, this. Yeah, and that's the sad thing because what we have as we've mentioned numerous times, what we have is the only religion that teaches grace, right? right? The only religion that teaches that God saw a problem and fixed it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God, the definition of love is you look at something, you assess its need, or someone you assess its need, then you act to meet that need. Mm-hmm. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I thought you were going to tell a joke about how stupid it is to be blindfolded around elephants because you might get trounced on them, (laughs) trounced by them. You you don't want to end up underfoot. Yeah, that's right. It is a good point, though. And and at some level, level, pretty much our religions do have truths. Right, that's true. Yes. And, and, and that they have ideas and ideals about, you know, common brotherhood and love of fellow man and worship of God that they do have certain truths in them. and that. But bear in mind, if someone wants to argue on, well, what makes your religion so much better than others? Not a matter of it necessarily being better. It's a matter of, well, this one, God fixes the problem. Right. Right. And ultimately, it's better because it's true. True. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 And and, and, and that, and, and again, if you were God, or even just take, you know, if you have a two-year-old daughter who, who falls down the sidewalk and skins her knee and she's crying, what do, you, what do you do as mom or dad or big brother or big sister? You go down there, you pick them up, and you help them. Mm-hmm. You don't tell them to get their act together. You go help right. them. God doesn't yell down from heaven, get your act together, then I'll love you. <laughs> right. God yells down from heaven through his son, says, I love you enough to die for you. Mm. That's the message. It's grace. It's grace. That's what distinguishes Christianity from the other religions of the world. Yes, it's exclusive. It is only Jesus, but it's inclusive. He's the one who, he is the sin bearer. Right. That's takes, a good point. Takes away the sins of the whole world. And again, Romans 10, another very important verse to keep in mind. People have to hear the message so they come to faith. 
And again, it doesn't have to be this rote recital of the scripted message or quoting chapter and verse. Get the message in their ears to get to their hearts. Mm-hmm. It's not dependent on us. It's dependent on the Holy Spirit working through the words, which we are so often privileged to speak. Right. Okay. Right. And again, speaking to the exclusivity, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, you can look at that as a negative thing from Acts 4, or you can look at it as, oh, okay, there's the answer. Mm. That's the answer to my problem. I, you know, it, it's if, if you need a hospital, if you're hurt, if you're sick, if you need help, you want to go to a hospital that's close by that actually does what it's supposed to do. You can you imagine a person bleeding to death and saying, well, I don't know, is that is the hospital this closest? Is that one any good? Or maybe we should think about where we're going. No, 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 no. Here's the gift right there in front of you. And now people will say, well, that's too easy. Easy for us, not easy for Jesus. Mm. The answer to that question. Mm. And also people say, oh, that means you can do whatever you want to. You can live any way you want to. Again, no. The same Holy Spirit who works faith in our hearts is the one who regenerates our spirit to motivate us to do good things. Right. And that's kind of the the opposite danger of like the legalism, right? Uh, this idea that, okay, we're wanting to emphasize that this isn't a works-based religion and that faith is a free gift. And then people get the idea, okay, well, like the works don't mean anything. It doesn't matter yeah. how I live, right? Yeah. And so those are kind of the, the two dangers, the two extremes. Yeah. And, and, and it's so easy to have happen. We can either become proud in what we do or we can um, basically have despair because we can never do enough. Mm-hmm. And this grace idea answers or it, it clears up both of those. Mm-hmm. We don't have to worry about not doing enough because Christ has done it. And we can't become proud because what we do doesn't save us. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Uh, This is a very important verse coming up. 2 Corinthians 5, or section, I should say. So, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, you could spend the next two hours memorizing this, and that'd be fine and good. But what you really need to focus on is verse 21. For our sake, he, that is the Father, made him, that is the Son, to be sin who knew no sin because he was sinless, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. More simply put, here we stand as sinful people. Jesus comes into our midst as one of us and pushes us out of the way of the Father's wrath. Mm. He takes the Father's wrath upon himself, but meanwhile, we receive his perfect righteousness. Right. The great exchange. Yeah. 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 I know we've talked about the great exchange several times, but it's such a powerful idea. Uh, and this verse perfectly encapsulates that. It does. And I also like in verse 20 um, that we are ambassadors for Christ. And again, this kind of emphasizes, again, the importance of uh, of sharing our faith with other people and being a witness in that way. Right, because that's for all of us. You know, we are we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. 
through us Christian people. Right. Okay. We're, we, we are his ambassadors. We are the ones who share this love and message. He, God calls us that. He calls every Christian to be his ambassador. And this is where that exhortation to good works really comes in. And it's really important because if we're ambassadors to Christ and God is making his appeal through us, uh, we better be doing the things we ought to be doing, right? Yes, yeah. Not for our benefit, but for the benefit of others. Yeah, exactly. I jokingly, yeah. I jokingly ask, why did Jesus feed the 4,000? Because they were hungry. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. yeah. I, you know, well, of course. Why does God want us to be ambassadors? Because he wants others to know about him. Right, right. Uh, pastor Rojas, uh, uh, my pastor here in uh, Winter Garden, uh, he, he said something really, really good this last week. He said, the word of God will be efficacious no matter what. But our job is to make sure that Satan's work is more difficult. <laughs> right? And that's, that's where these good works comes in and being a good witness. Yeah, the devil looks for any opportunity to, to embarrass us, embarrass God, to make us look foolish and stupid and bad, which we often are. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. Now, another really clean verse that's easy to memorize, but also easy to paraphrase. And this is about a lot of these verses. Just get the, get the nugget out of it. Get the truth out of it and then put it in your own words. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. Jesus said this in John 15. The sermon illustration used to accompany this verse, at least for me, is you have soldiers in a foxhole and a hand grenade gets thrown into the foxhole. Mm. And one of the soldiers throws himself on that hand grenade so that his buddies are spared. Mm. That's a powerful image. It's incredibly powerful. Jesus dies on the cross and cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that we need never cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And having that sort of concrete example, I think, helps people understand and internalize Christ's love for us in that yeah. way. Yeah. Like, that's something I think that this verse really does a good job of illustrating. Yeah, I, I love it. I, this one, you can go back to this. You can, you can think about this when you lay your head on your pillow at night. You know, someone lays down his life for his friends. Mm-hmm. Jesus laid down his life for us. Right. Yeah, Okay. Here's another one. You know, you think about people say, oh, Christianity is such a burden. <laughs> I'd laugh. <laughs> you know, the, the exact opposite of what the truth is. Matthew 11, Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And there the, light, the word light can be translated as buoyant. Mm. Not just lights, not just that it's not heavy. It actually lifts us up. Mm. And if you think about a yoke, that device that would, you know, you put a yoke on, you have a harness, and it's, you're pulling a plow or something. Well, think about a yoke with place for two, okay? Mm. And uh, people equate it or sometimes describe this as, yeah, you've got this big beast of burden on one side and a little mouse hanging on to the yoke on the other, mm. okay? I like that. Yeah, yeah, Jesus Jesus is doing all the work. This is one of the ideas that I think is most difficult to communicate to people who are on the outside. Because I, I think if you're an outsider looking into the church, looking into Christianity, you see this list of rules of ways that you have to live your life. And you see that on the outside and you think, man, I would hate to be tied down by 
all those things. Like I'm, I'm enjoying the way I'm currently living my life and perhaps it's not compatible with what the scriptures teach. And from the outside looking in, it seems so restrictive. But I, I think after you are on the inside, it's, it's, this is a truth that is so much easier to experience once you're already in, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because you start to realize that these rules are here for our benefit. And um, through living in the way that scripture teaches, it's such, there, there's such freedom in that. And there's, there's joy in that. There's like a, an order to your life in the way that the scripture teaches that you don't get outside of Christianity and just that sort of joy. Yeah. And, and so, Paul, Paul does qualify that a bit. He says, you know, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. Mm-hmm. We have this freedom in Christ to live our lives the way we feel best. The question ends up being, what do we think is best? Right. My dad was right. a psychiatrist and spent a lot of time working with adolescents. And one of the phrases that I heard him say over and over again is that children need structure. Mm-hmm and we are children of god we need some structure too mm-hmm. it's not a it's not a burden it's 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 freeing it it, it enables us to live in a way that's well, maybe productive but also understanding that we're doing what god wants us to do and here if the, if the burden is light bonus yeah right bonus. yep and that, that's just one of the challenges i think to sharing our faith i i think from the outside it what we're doing looks weird or it looks like it's a burden and um, you really have to be on the inside to really experience the joys and freedom that it offers. It's something that we can try to communicate through the way that we live, and hopefully we are communicating that. But um, it, it's hard if you're not already inside to really internalize what this verse is talking about. Yeah, how do you describe what chocolate cake tastes like to someone who doesn't know? Yeah, exactly. You yeah. kind of have to taste a little bit and see how, how, how really good it is. And yeah. so too, you know, taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. So this is, a, this is what we call just, if you want to know the little technical term, this is a gospel imperative. Mm-hmm. Jesus is telling you, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. He's, he's telling you what to do. So it's an imperative grammatically, but it's a gospel imperative. He, he says to Thomas, stop doubting, but believe. He's commanding him to believe. And when Jesus speaks those words, he's giving Thomas the, the power, because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. When Jesus speaks that gospel imperative, you know, stop doubting and believe, or come unto me, all you who labor and are be laden, in the speaking of those words is the power to obey that imperative, that command. Right. God's word is powerful. Right. We tend to forget that. We tend to think that, oh, all's lost. The unbelievers are the unbelievers and nothing we could ever do or say could ever change that. Well, no, that's not necessarily true because what we say or do, if, it, if it's God's message, God's Holy Spirit accompanies it and God continues to work miracles, my belief, your belief is proof of that. That's right. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. Finishing off with this verse, Romans 1, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We need not be ashamed. This is God's this is God's way of saving the world. We shouldn't be embarrassed by it. We shouldn't be ashamed of it. We shouldn't hide it under a bushel basket. We should put it out there for the world to see this is the way God works. Right? Yep, exactly. And even though people might think it's weird when we're first sharing this with them, I, I think 
if we communicate just the basic message, the good news for sinners, we're saved by Christ's sacrifice for us. It's ultimately, it is, it's, it's good news for everyone. And um, just communicating the simple message hopefully will allow people to see beyond the perceived weirdness of Christianity. Yeah, because we yeah. are weird. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. We sing old hymns. We pray. We get together. We no, um, but let's not be ashamed of it, right? Exactly. Okay. Now, right. do we have time for a couple more practical, just little suggestions and things? Absolutely. Okay. So one of the problems is that people think that you've got this church and people, and that they're not welcome there, or they're not part of it, or something, and. And I'll admit the way we do liturgy and the way we come in and stand up and sit down and turn around circles, whatever else we do at worship, can be a bit confusing. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's easier to get people to actually come into the church building for a potluck supper or a fellowship event or a film night or a Christian concert or whatever. We, In years past, we've had uh, the choirs from uh, you know Concordia Colleges come and, and, and sing. And you can invite people to those events, and it's, oh, we have this wonderful choir coming in to sing some music. Why don't you come to Why don't you come to my church and we can listen to that? Mm-hmm. So, during COVID, it's been so weird because we haven't had those open door events. We even have in the past. There's a thing called Open Doors Ottawa where they show off old buildings and architecture and things, and, and we've participated in that, so people can step into the building, and see that it didn't fall down when they stepped into the building. <laughs> okay. If I'm sitting out on the front porch and people, if the doors are open, people look in. I said, oh, come inside. Look, we have some wonderful architecture. Look at how beautiful the wood is. Just to let them know that being inside a church is, it's okay. Yeah. So that, so, so at your church, you can maybe help organize some events that are, you know, friendly to the, to the non-church goer. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's great, especially if you have a sanctuary like you do in, in Ottawa where, parts of the building are a confession of the faith itself. Right? Yeah. And, and people come in and even seeing these things, there's a confession being made to them. And in some ways they're getting some understanding of the gospel just from what's in the building. Well, yeah. Right? Understanding that the artwork that the, you know, our Christian friends have used through the centuries uh, mm-hmm. was used to teach the faith. Right. Yep. Right. So whether it was a picture of Noah and the ark or creation or, Whatever, in our case, if you see behind me in the picture of the sanctuary, up, up front is that stained glass window of, of the Good Shepherd mm-hmm. holding a little lamb in his arms. That's a great picture. That's Jesus holding me in his arms. Right. Speaks, speaks volumes. Right. So try not to be too weird as a Christian. Try to somehow make it so that people feel comfortable coming into your building, which may be a first step to them coming to a worship service. Try to look for opportunities to hand them a portals of prayer. Try to look for opportunities to say, hey, I'm going to pray about that because I, I know that's really bothering you. Uh, look for opportunities to be caring and loving and and speak this wonderful world of reconciliation because we are Christ's ambassadors to this sin-sick and dying world. Mm. All great tips. Okay. And perhaps um, we can close with one last question to kind of end this whole series. So let's say you've shared your faith with someone and they say either, okay, I believe this, or I'm interested. Uh, what do I need to do to be saved? What's what's the next step here? What yeah. do we say? Well, first off, the very simple answer is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's the simple thing. But to follow up on that is you, you, you tell the person, hey, you know what? You spend time 
hearing and reading God's word and having it explained to you. Mm. And and here's how we do this. Uh, I can do that with you, or my pastor can do that with you, or come to an adult class or something. Invite them in to learn more about Jesus, spend time in God's word, and get to know other Christian people. That's the next step because it's all fine and good to to share that or to have them say, oh, this is interesting. You've got to somehow gently invite them to learn more. Yep, definitely. And, and uh, there are wonderful opportunities uh, for people to learn more about the Christian faith. And, you know, I joke and I, I unashamedly push our devotions and podcasts. Good. Seriously. Good. You know, I, you know, I've had people ask me a question. I said, you know, we talked about that in one of our devotions. I think it was back in November. I said, why don't you go listen to that? So anybody can, can push these. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I've done the same. There've been a couple of times where someone has asked a question. I was like, oh, we just addressed that question a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. And you send them the link. Uh, on our website and it brings up the right episode and people have found yeah. that helpful. So It's not a bad way to share the faith. I know a lot of people at St. Luke have shared uh, links to our YouTube and Facebook uh, pages and channel with, with people uh, in all around, all around. That's great. So, yeah, I do that. I mean, it's, it's just, a, okay. So you can sit and listen to something in the, in the privacy of your home and, and it, it, it's, it's, there's no confrontation. There's no fear involved, no fear factor, any of that. It's simply hearing a message, hearing right. a message. So well, that's to, the first thing I do when I have a theological question or, or something. I usually just go to the podcast app and I, I type in the question I have. And usually there are a handful of podcasts that have come up that try to answer the question. Yeah, thankfully it's a it's just a good way of uh, getting the information you need. So you can yeah. do that here as well. Yeah, and that's great. And it's simply a matter of you know praying about you, know, you share your faith with someone, pray about it, pray for opportunities to follow up on it in a in a in a gentle and natural way. And look for ways to encourage them in their walk of faith. Lots of good information. I love it when people will say, well, why don't you talk to my pastor? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that's great. And perhaps that's uh, the thing that we should close with. You're not alone in this. You shouldn't no. be alone. Um, whoever your pastor is, I'm sure they'd be very willing to help you. If someone says, okay, I'm interested in Christianity, point them to your pastor and they can answer any question that they would have. And if they can't, they'll point them to someone who can yeah and, and so, invite yeah and invite them to a bible study or something uh, absolutely something something just follow up definitely and don't give up definitely okay are we good i think so well so, you know my response to that don't you no but we're forgiven exactly we're not good <laughs> we are forgiven and speaking as god's forgiven children we are privileged to pray to him yes so you're going to close us off with a prayer will i'd be happy to okay please Almighty and everlasting God, you desire not the death of a sinner, but that all would repent and live. Hear our prayers for those outside the church. Take away their iniquity and turn them from their false gods to you, the living and true God. Gather them into your holy church to the glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen.